Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 20th. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, the makers of Lecvio and Clizarin. Joining me today, oh boy, for a big show, a, a, a banger of a show. It's the king of the waiver wire himself, Andy Barons. Andy, we, we've actually spent like the last 15 minutes talking to each other, so it feels weird to be like, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? But uh, anyway, <laughs> it really does. <laughs> yeah, it feels really weird. Andy, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm gonna say it anyways. Things are things are good. I appreciate the royal title, uh, as always. Coming off a, a well, it's not a, it's 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 not a it's not the afterglow of victory, I guess. Mm. Following the following the Bears Packers game, we'll get to that in a second. Um, it was ugly, but it was predictably ugly, so I'm actually not feeling that bad about it. Yes, uh, we will discuss the Bears Packers game. Of course, we'll also be telling you who to drop from your team, who you should be picking up. Um, before we do any of that, Andy, I, I just wanted to to say this off the top of the show is, but I think it's fitting when we're talking about like picking players up and um, dropping guys and all that type of stuff. The first two weeks of the season, there's always this big freak out. Right. And, and you're a measured, uh, well-centered person, right? Like you, <laughs> you've been doing fantasy for what is it? Uh, 65 years at this point, right? You've been playing fantasy. <laughs> Start started at Yahoo in uh, 1973. That's right. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. First great call uh, so been- was Lydell Mitchell. Yeah. Don't even know who that is. Uh, so yeah, that that's great stuff from you. Um, you, I wanted to just run this by you because I said this on on Twitter today. You know, there's all this freak out again about guys the first two weeks of the season. Um, you know, players producing. So I think Kyle Pitts. Like, there's an all out panic attack uh, across the fantasy industry about Kyle Pitts. Um, but the reality is, Andy, right? Like, if if a guy that you had high hopes on this season isn't doing what you expected in the first two years and they're still like out there playing a ton right that's the big thing we'll talk about guys who aren't playing a ton and it's time to give up the ghost on but if a guy's out there playing he's taking reps um if he all of a sudden at the end of the year has produced exactly what you expected like you drafted him at tight end three and like for example with Kyle Pitts and he's the tight end three at the end of the year you really can't be surprised right because 
cold stretches happen. Sometimes they happen at the beginning of the year. Sometimes they happen at the end of the year. Sometimes they happen at the middle of the year. And that's when they absolutely never get discussed. So um, I just feel like it's something we should say as we head in here to week three that sometimes it's just a weird sport, man. Football production is extremely weird. This is a really good point, and this this is applicable uh, broadly to other fantasy sports too, right? The things that happen at the beginning of the season sort of set the table for your opinion on a player. And like as you say, if this if if this were a blip in Kyle Pitts' season in like weeks five and six or seven and eight or something like that, um, you might not even notice. But now you're like, oh, Kyle Pitts is killing me. Um, but but on the flip side, no tight end is carrying anyone, right? Like this is not exactly the year of the tight end so far. So what a break that your most disappointing player actually happens to play this position that is not leading anyone to to fantasy victories necessarily. So it just, I, I fully agree with you. It's it's really well said and it's an important point to make. Like we magnify the importance of, of these opening two weeks so much. And again, like this happens in, this is a, a discussion that we have in baseball leagues all the time, right? Like it's such a long season. The NFL is a little different, a little different tempo to it. But, um, you know, a, a, a guy starts his season 0 for 16, 0 for 12. It, it does not mean that you should radically change your projection on them. And it's the same thing, same thing in the NFL. Now, it's, it's a reasonable question as to whether Marcus Mariota is ever going to be able to support both Drake London and Kyle Pitts in the same week. I think we can ask that question, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that Kyle Pitts is in for some terrible season. Yeah, I think that's there are questions to ask within a player's like sort of range of outcomes. And because and, and, legitimately, we do learn more in the first week and, and the first two weeks of the season than we do for an entire offseason. Right. Because teams finally have yeah. to. The only time teams can't lie to you is with their draft picks, with their money and what they the guys they actually put out on the field. Right. So that that's the thing. Like somebody can they can hype up some. Ramondre Stevenson. They could talk about how, oh man, we'll, man, we're gonna get him, you know, the ball. And he's a great, he's really taking a step of passing. But then they put him out on the field. It's still the Damian Harris show. So like that's that where this there. really gets hard is with rookies. In fact, who like you know, you know, I I certainly talk myself into Tyler Algier. People can talk themselves into Zamir White and into Rashad White. Like a lot of guys like that who ba- some of whom ba- barely played in opening week, right? And like if you believed it three days before the season started you should carry that conviction at least a couple weeks into the season, right? You shouldn't be like, on the one hand, it's, it's, it's a problem to, to not overreact enough. I think sometimes when, um, there's a clear breakout happening, but if, if you're just uptight because somebody you think is going to be a really good player, perhaps by mid season, perhaps by the second half of the season, uh, when that guy isn't playing a lot early in the year, it's probably okay. Like, remember, Justin Jefferson got out to like the quietest start in his first pro season and then immediately erupted and was the best receiver, second best receiver in the league within like a right. month. So, yeah, give it, give it a minute, give it a minute. Yeah, I think that it's with only with negative things. Like, if a guy, if you're still like, well, I'm on Ross St. Brown's not actually that good. Well, you need you need to stop. You need to get a grip. Like that, <laughs> with when players are putting out good stuff, that's different. When it's the cold stretches, I think this is what it applies to. And yeah, you're right. It's just a it's a good lesson to remember with all of sports too. Like production is just very very weird, especially in football. Like yeah, oh, and especially at the wide receiver position. But you know, that's my axe to grind with the whole thing. Um, I, I wanted to get us get our juices flowing throw out that kind of wide ranging topic before we talk about the bears, Andy, because that is what we do have to start with on the show here today. Um, Sunday night football, pretty much business as usual. Uh, Packers 27 bears, 10 Andy, obviously 
Aaron Jones, baby. He's back. Uh, I sweated the hell out of Aaron Jones's week one season. I mean, how many times did I say some sort of tilting thing about Aaron Jones? And just for context, the biggest the biggest reason for this, honestly, isn't just the fact that I said all summer he's the perfect second round pick. I drafted him on all of my teams. He's also on my mom's fantasy team, which we'll talk about later. He's also on my sister's fantasy football team. And both of them were letting me hear it about this Aaron Jones guy. So like, <laughs> that's when you know it's tough as a fantasy analyst is when you hype somebody up and you're like, oh yeah, great pick. And then like my first time my mom's playing fantasy, she's like, what's going on with this Aaron Jones guy that you told me? So that, uh, anyways, Aaron Jones vindication, 18 touches, 170 total yards, two touchdowns. He was awesome. By the way, he's also scheduled to join us for Eckler's Edge tomorrow. So that should be pretty fun. Oh um, man, if he'd, had a, if he'd had a bad day, was that just going to be an interrogation? Were you going to get your mom uh, on to ask him questions? My dude, we are not booking Aaron Jones if he had another bad game in week two. Let's <laughs> just say that. <laughs> um, but anyways, Aaron Jones is back. A.J. Dillon's still involved, 19 touches. But I, I would say this, Andy, the biggest thing, and I wrote this in my Care Don't Care um, recap article from Sunday night. This, to me, is just the assumption of rational coaching because – AJ Dillon's a very good player. I really like AJ Dillon. I've always kind of liked him more than, you know, when he got dogged as a as a draft pick uh for the Packers. But maximizing AJ Dillon cannot come at the expense of Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones is by far and away their most explosive player. Uh super explosive player, incredibly versatile. The, there's a few takeaways here. Number one, you you might consider the sell this a sell high moment on Aaron Jones. I'll just I'll just oh come on out into the world. Um, it's probably not something you want to bring up on Eckler's Edge necessarily, but I, I don't know, probably mom, not. maybe consider it. He's got Tampa Bay coming up. That's not great. It's not a perfect spot. <laughs> that I mean, this is probably the offensive identity that they need to have, that they want to have. It is leaning on both of these backs, both of whom are very good. Jones had some uh, just some thrilling moments in this game, some really, really nice moments that you can hang your hat on. Um, the the receiving touchdown was like a fake reception, right? It's one of these bullshit things that Mahomes does and Rodgers does. The ball yeah. was in the air for like four, like four inches. I don't know. It was nothing. Um, but whatever. Great play. Great touchdown. Great design. You have to like it if you're if you've invested in Aaron Jones at all. And this this should be what the Packers are. It I, I was struggling a little bit with like the. I'll just say right at the top, the Bears can't hurt me this season. I have zero expectations for this team. I it, it, I thought it was within the range of outcomes for them to not win a game. So getting that win, that wind in a in a monsoon in week one already puts them, you know, at a place that I didn't know they'd go. I think this roster is terrible. And I think one of your takeaways here should be we might be picking on this Bears run defense all year. Eli Mitchell was going to threaten like 180 rushing yards in week one if he would have simply stayed healthy. Right. Obviously, Dylan and Jones go off. Um, it's Damian Pierce against them next week. Maybe that's an interesting play. Uh, interesting. Bears, the Bears defense generally looks bad. The secondary is very young. So, that, you know, they've got they've got excuses there. But I was trying to put myself in the head headspace of a Packers fan. And I don't I don't know. I don't know that I would feel that we've solved all the problems off of this game again, because I think the Bears are that bad. And the last time the Packers saw the Bears last season, it was 45 points and they could have just picked their number. And Devante was an unsolvable problem. A couple touchdowns, I think 10 catches. That's not there. So when the when the Packers get in a game against a real opponent, 
and they're going to have to find a way to get to like 31, 34. I guess I'd be I guess I'd be worried. But um, I, yeah, I, to, to your point, I think we we see pretty clearly that this is this is going to be the the sort of backbone of the of the Packers offense. This is this. Maybe this is just who they are when they win. Maybe this is what it looks like. I think so. I mean, that was kind of my takeaway coming out of it was they got both running backs involved. They played them on the field together. I think it was double digit snaps that they were on the field together, which is which is going to have to be a thing. They're going to have to get Aaron Jones involved in explosive ways in the run and pass game. He guy averaged like 12 yards per catch in this game and over eight yards per carry. Like, I know that is some Bears juice there. Um, you know, thank you for that. Appreciate it, Chicago. But like th- that's going to have to be at least close to the mark every single week. They're going to still have like and I think A.J. Dillon is is an every week fantasy starter as well with this type of usage that he's gotten. Yeah. And then really, obviously, your guy, Alan Lazard, was the was the the top receiver by by a long shot. Number one on the team with 26 routes run, 80 percent snap rate for Alan Lazard. I do think he is. Like that's gonna kind of have to be the way this goes, and and you know they kept Sammy Watkins involved. He had a, a big catch. That's great. Um, but they did sort of marginalize the rookies like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, twelve route or thirteen routes for Dobbs, seven routes for Christian Watson. That might change as the year goes on, but to me, it is the the running backs and Alan Lazard and kind of log out after that. This is this is two straight weeks where Christian Watson has a play that earns one of yeah. those blank stares from Aaron Rodgers that is that is going to become a death stare by the end of the season, right? It was the drop in week one, and it was a little pre-snap motion where the the, the snap hit him uh, and nearly created a turnover. Um, m- maybe it's maybe it's not his fault, but he's definitely going to get blamed for it, right? Um, yeah. So uh, a tough tough opening scene here for uh, for Christian Watson. He's still a talented guy. Obviously, I, I I am well invested in Alan Lazard. Uh, talked him up a fair amount. Wrote about him in the preseason. Not not to suggest that he's Devonte Adams or anything like that, but he's probably the closest thing they have to a to a at least a candidate to be a number one receiver. It would be great for this team. Necessary for this team, I would say, to make a deep playoff run for one of these rookies to become like a real thing, to become a real dude. Um, it might happen. Dobbs has had some really nice moments. There's no questioning Watson's athleticism um, and his ability to get open. Uh, so we'll see. I guess I'd again, as a, if I were a Packers fan, I'd be a little. I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about the fact that nobody had more than like three catches in this game. They didn't need it. They didn't need it. Um, they'll probably need it next week against Tampa. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like against a real defense. Yeah, I think we'll get a better test there. And the Bucks defense is really good. That's my takeaway through two uh, game, two games here for for Tampa Bay. So it'll be a real test there. Um, we'll talk Bears more. <laughs> later on in the show so we'll save our bears takes uh because i think we'll go back and forth a little bit on them let's move to the waiver wire ads of the week and i'm actually going to start us at running back instead of quarterback because quarterback is a bit boring and running back might be at least slightly more exciting not that there's some league winning candidate potentially out there on the waiver wire this week but um andy let's let's jump in on on the running back position here um who who are your guys for this week yeah, the guy I put at the top and the guy I put at the top of the position in the in the pickups column was Raheem Mostert. I don't mean to suggest that I think Raheem, I, I don't think there's a league winner here. I don't think we're going to be discussing any league winners among the running backs. Like, it's not that kind of week. Uh, but it was notable that Raheem Mostert and not Chase Edmonds, uh, you know, led the team in in snaps from the backfield, in touches by a lot from the backfield, in in yardage. I mean, he he was the pretty clear winner here. And he caught three passes, which is just not a thing that that's like not a club we thought was in the Raheem Mostert bag. Right. Um, So he was a little bit involved as a receiver. 
everybody knows his history with the head coach of this team, with Mike McDaniel, right? McDaniel was the OC. He was the run game coordinator. He's got a long history with Raheem Mostert. Um, and it sure looked like Mostert leapfrogged Edmonds in, uh, in week two, which is obviously a good sign for his value moving forward. Because no matter what happened in the Ravens game, and obviously it was a, a historic, furious, uh, marvelous comeback, um, good job to a weird job by the Ravens secondary. Um, like Very the, weird. <laughs> The identity of this team is probably going to be one that that still wants to run the ball and, and run the ball to win. So um, it, there's a decent chance that if, again, if Mostert stays healthy, and that's a thing that you always have to say with this player, um, you have to say it with any player. But if Mostert stays healthy, like this might be the worst game that he has for, for a little while. He's got a tough matchup coming with Buffalo. Then he's got Cincinnati. He's got the Jets. Um, and, and those are obviously not not hugely problematic matchups. It's pretty clearly to me a team that is going to want to run the ball. And if Mostert is the guy that is going to make him more valuable than anybody else we're going to talk about here. Yeah, it's pretty even right now. 22 touches for Edmonds, 20 touches for Mostert through two weeks. Um, the yards per carry advantage certainly goes to Raheem Mostert. Yards um, yards after contact per, per rush attempt goes to Raheem Mostert as well. I think he's just the better pure runner. There's just, like you said, a lot of questions about him. Um, I wouldn't drop Chase Edmonds. I would keep him, uh, keep oh, him I wouldn't either. Rosters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely think he'll, I think he'll get, he'll get, you'll get drop questions about Chase Edmonds because he's done just about nothing through two weeks. Um, their run game looked better against the Ravens than I expected. It wasn't hard to look worse than it did in week one. So that is saying <laughs> something. Um, I'm a little still skeptical about I, I think Raheem Mostert should be on rosters. I'll, I'll put it that way. But I'm not like, again, I, I'm with you that I don't think there's any league winners in the Miami backfield. Your next guy, Mark Ingram. Whoopee, Mark Ingram. I mean, <laughs> my God. Yeah, the the next, in fact, the next three guys, we can just put them in the same category because they're tied to injury situations, right? Mark Ingram is clearly the plan B runner uh, for New Orleans behind Alvin Kamara and his his fantasy weird relevance. plan. By the way, weird plan. Can we can we call it a weird plan? Super to have Mark Ingram plan. as a quick we, cut number two. We can definitely call it a weird plan. Um, he seems like a super likable teammate. Like I get it. I get it. I like. I totally understand why he hangs on in the in the league. Um, seems like a fun guy. And he was fine. Like, he was fine against Tampa. I don't know that you could have expected anything more than 60 yards against the Bucks defense. So uh, perfectly fine game. They've got Carolina up next. So if if Kamara, for whatever reason, weren't able to go next week, that's a really nice spot for Ingram. And the, the other guys we need to talk about or at least need to mention are Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. Because James Conner sort of limped away from week two with an ankle injury, It's it's it sure seems like it's a low sprain probably not terribly serious. None of the post-game commentary suggested that it, it would be any sort of long-term thing. So I'd be be a little surprised if Williams and Benjamin are even really relevant by the time we're setting lineups next week. Could be that Connor just comes back and he's okay. I thought it was pretty clear after week one that Eno Benjamin was the backup because he's the only other guy who got work. But in Connor's absence, notable that both Williams and Benjamin were were involved almost equally, right? Williams a slightly better game. Uh, I think was on the field at the goal line, but like the touches were were almost identical. So really hard to to draw a clear distinction between these two guys. If you're in a full PPR, I'd probably go Benjamin. If you're anywhere else, I guess I'd go Williams. I'm not I, I wouldn't burn through my fab for either player. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, we've got 10 touches for Williams, 11 for Benjamin, 43.6% of the snaps for Daryl Williams, 42.3% for Eno yeah. Benjamin. They did, I feel like they did some 
wildcat type stuff uh with uh with these backs too in in week two as well which was a little weird uh passing work relatively equal to 22 routes for uh for daryl williams 18 for eno benjamin i agree with you i don't think either one of these guys is like burn it down to adam it's also it's also another team where like when they get inside the five yard line, you know, Kyler Murray can just run ninety yards to gain three and they score. Oh right? my like god! He's... What a what an unbelievable <laughs> moment! <laughs> uh, incredible, like absolutely incredible game, incredible play. I'd 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 already tuned that game out, like wasn't paying the slightest bit of attention to it, and then it was uh, thrust back on my TV. Yeah, there we go. All right, that's running backs for the week. Let's move to a sexy position here, wide receiver. There's a lot of yeah. interesting names to talk about. You're starting us off here with a couple of rookies, Jahan Dotson and Garrett Wilson. I feel like if folks are still not adding Jahan Dotson, what the F are you doing? Like, you should have added him last week. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I get it in a in a certain sense because it was like a choice between Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson last week. And Samuel's coming off this this fairly substantial workload. He was great again in week two, by the way. Looks awesome. Yep. Um, and I, I totally understand that, like, okay, how many Washington Commanders receivers do I really want to have on my fantasy roster? And is this, you know, these guys aren't Hill and Waddle. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to roll out two Commanders receivers in a competitive fantasy league. Am I really? Jahan Dotson looks like a star. He's, I don't so, know what so else good. to say. He's he's only he's only seen ten targets too. Like he's not even getting um, he's not even getting a huge workload. He, he appears to always be open, and when he's not open, he wins. Like he's won a couple of huge contested catch situations. The the touchdowns are like you know have been have been brawls, and he wins them. I mean, the guy's got 10 targets on the season. He's got he's got three touchdowns. He's got a two point conversion and like no rookie has passed the eye test like Dotson. I think he looks fantastic. And we're like on the one hand, you you, you want to say, oh, but he's only seeing five targets a game. And on the other hand, you're like sooner or later, we're going to get a, a dozen target game for Jahan Dotson because how can they not? And then what's that going to look like? Um, he, he's just been fantastic. He, he gets he gets the Eagles next. And it's hard to it's hard to imagine that this won't be yet another game where Carson Wentz puts the ball in the air 40 or 45 times. It's hard to imagine that not going well for most of these receivers. Also hard to imagine it not going well for the Eagles defense, by the way. Um, but yeah. both I, things can I, be like, true here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Dotson needs to get picked up. Um, and I again, I get it. If if you've already got McLaurin, you've already got Samuel. You don't want to start two of these guys. I get it. But like someone in every 10 and 12 team league should be taking a look at Jahan Dotson. He just looks great. And then. Wilson, I, I think it's worth talking about him in the same sort of conversation because it's just these two rookies who have who have blown up. Um, I didn't I didn't see it coming uh, necessarily. Yeah. I, I I won't say that he was my favorite guy on the board at ten in the draft, but I can't argue with what was it fourteen targets, a couple of touchdowns, and easy separation. Again, I don't know that the Jets' offense is often gonna gonna produce multiple viable fantasy receivers, but man. A 14-target game, the the biggest plays and the biggest moments. Um, he he just looked ex excellent. Do you know how there's so many folks out there that just absolutely love Kadarius Tony and um you know think like hey you know Kadarius Tony this guy is one of the most talented receivers in the league. What the f are the Giants doing not playing him? Imagine Kadarius Tony, but he could actually run routes. That's Garrett <laughs> Wilson. I know they're not they're not quite the same player, so I'm being a little facetious here. But at the same time, Andy, Garrett Wilson 
is like the same type of freaky mover in the open field, just consistently breaks tackles, but he's just not super green as a route runner. I, yeah. I, I will talk about Elijah Moore a little bit later in the show. So I'm going to put that part of it aside and just focus on Garrett Wilson here. Garrett Wilson was an awesome prospect. I mean, he could beat man coverage. He could beat zone coverage. He, you know, you talk about his reception, perception, route success rate chart. Green as a damn Christmas tree, bro. Like, I mean, he could get <laughs> open at all levels of the field. And he's an insane playmaker after the catch. I think that's why right now. And, and by the way, too, when you compare to Elijah Moore and and um, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, about 50 percent of his snaps from the slot in week two. Yeah, I always talk about how this stuff matters with wide receiver play, like where they line up, where they're getting, like where they're running their routes. Elijah Moore is running the hardest route tree on this team right now. When, when you watch him, like he's running the intermediate routes, deep routes. He's running as the X receiver against press coverage, tight coverage on the boundary. And Garrett Wilson's just getting the layups, man. And like that stuff matters to production. And I think if you, if you want to give the Jets coaching staff some credit here, it's also probably good because, like I said, Garrett Wilson, unbelievable in the open field. He can break tackles. He can take – and Elijah Moore is a really fast player, but he's not a tackle breaker like Garrett Wilson. He doesn't have yeah. the same instincts in the open field like Garrett Wilson does. So, um, again, we'll hit on the Elijah Moore part of it in a second, but Garrett Wilson's just a good player. And, like, I, I don't want this to be a situation where, like, this guy's the one and this guy's the two. I, I don't really give a damn. Like, these guys are both really, really good receivers, and, and Garrett Wilson – is verifiably good. And I think he's a guy that Scott asked, asked me this on the last podcast, just to keep talking about the Elijah Moore thing. W are you going to rank Garrett Wilson as the top Jets receiver coming into week three? Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I mean, he's just really good. And I think I agree with you. He needs to be picked up everywhere. Like just a great, just a great prospect. I didn't think he would make an early impact just because the Jets have three pretty good players in front of him. Like I, th I love Elijah Moore. Corey Davis is a solid player and they brought Braxton Barrios back onto the roster. Right. Um, right. But you know, this is, and they added two tight ends. I just didn't think the targets would be there, but talent does win I, out sometimes. I thought, I thought Barrios was going to be a huge wild card that really messed up a lot of plans. Um, and that hasn't really been a problem. Davis is a good enough player that obviously has r rapport with almost anybody that he falls in with, with the, with the jets. But it's like, you can't, that you can't like fake your way to a 14 target game like that's earned and again he he just looks special he just looked fantastic in this one um what do we do I, the thing is for all these jets receivers the starting quarterback is not out there right now right you know right um, right how are we going to view these guys when zach wilson gets back and i do think he gets back somewhat soon I know it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> like it's actually terrifying. Isn't that was, so weird? Isn't that was, so weird? <laughs> I was joking about it on Twitter a little bit, but I like I'd be cool if they just wanted to roll with Joe Flacco. They they clearly can't do that. You have to you have to develop Zach Wilson and figure out what Zach Wilson is. And I, like I, there were moments last year where you could see the huge arm, you can see the mobility. I get it with the traits. It's the same way that I feel fundamentally about uh, Justin Fields. Like you you could see the traits. But the, I, like he at no point has he put it all together and had a masterful game. And I don't know that this is going to work with like there were just simply some throws that Zach Wilson had a weird inability to make last year. A lot of those layups, he's 
he he's bad at <laughs> you know, know like so weird yeah he'll make miraculous throws that i don't think anybody can make from the position that they're in and he's really bad at some layup throws that were just bread and butter stuff for for wilson in this one and that should be for more um so i i don't know it's a it's a concern i'm definitely like the way i feel now i feel better about wilson and more with with flacco than i and more hasn't even done anything yet but i feel better about these guys with flacco than i do with wilson yeah, I hear you. Wilson, Dak Wilson's just such a huge unknown. Last note on Garrett Wilson here, just to put a pin on the thing I said at the front with Garrett Wilson. Uh, among the guys I, I've charted over the last two draft classes combined, Garrett Wilson was in space on 11% of his sampled routes for reception perception, broke multiple tackles on an absurd 20% of those plays. Like that, that is number that ranks number one over the last two draft classes combined. So again, love Kadarius Tony as an open field player. Garrett Wilson actually can run routes. I, I just, I think like, I Wilson think did that in a real thing. conference too. Wilson didn't do that. Like, exactly. That's not, that's not in the big sky. That's not in the ACC or something like that's in the, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big 10 apologist, but that's in the big 10. That's a real, that's a real conference. Hey, love to see it. All right. Let's group these next three, next three wide receivers um, together here. Jacoby Myers, Sterling Shepard, Nico Collins, some different flavors here. Uh, Jacoby Myers just needs more respect, man. Like the, he, he gets an absurd amount of opportunity, no matter who else is on that Patriots depth chart. I know he doesn't score touchdowns, but um, he's just a damn good player. And he's got a couple of good spots coming up. Uh, and Sterling Shepard is like, when you look at the air yard dominators right now, like Sterling Shepard is up there pretty high right now at this point. Yeah, the the same fundamental case can be made for like all three of these guys, right? Myers, 13 targets. Sterling Shepard leads all Giants receivers by a mile in targets last week, uh, uh, 10 targets. Nico Collins saw a nine target game, which is great. He's a he's a very different player uh, from these yes. other guys. Obviously, Nico Collins is a, is a giant. He's like a contested catch winner fun athlete and there's a real opportunity him for him against Chicago like these guys all Shepard probably has the diciest matchup against a really frisky Dallas defense but Myers gets the Ravens. he gets the Bears the week after that just to keep to keep talking right about right 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 My, Myers gets the gets the Ravens coming up next and obviously the like no two Ravens defensive backs knew what anybody else on the field was doing in the game against Miami that was an absolute joke and it like, reminiscent of the year before when the Ravens secondary was so horrible um You've got, you know, Peters coming back from the knee thing. You've got Kyle Fuller already out with an ACL. So, like, the, that secondary is all all banged up, and, and they look just as bad as they did last year. So, he, huge concern there for Baltimore. And it's not that I think that New England is going to be able to completely exploit that. But, you know, I, like, Myers is, I think, the one guy who can stay relevant through whatever struggles New England is going to go through this year, um, in in part just on good at football, right? Like he gets himself open again, huge workload. So I any sort of PPR format, I think you're going to want to lean on Myers, Shepard again, good player, chronically underrated player. Like we we all think of him as this injury prone guy. What it, like incredible comeback from from Achilles, right? Like this is what he is doing. What James Robinson are doing is just um, it's like uncharted waters. It's it's really impressive. And as you say, uh, Sterling Shepard gets the Bears in a couple weeks and Nico Collins gets them next week. Uh, I I can't imagine that isn't going to go well. So I like all three of these guys. Yeah, I like all three of these guys as players, too. I've been obviously a huge Sterling Shepard fan for 100 years, it feels like. Um, and he just <laughs> he, he's sort of like uh, Jacoby Myers is almost kind of like the new Sterling Shepard, although Sterling Shepard, I think, is a much, much better player as much as I like Jacoby Myers. 
Like, I think there's a universe where if Sterling Shepard had never gotten hurt, he would have been considered a number one receiver yeah. for the Giants after they traded Odell Beckham. Like, that's how good I think Sterling Shepard is. And he is being used like the number one receiver by like a country mile, mile like I yep. said, but compared to everybody else, he's I think he has like 40 percent of the team air yards. And we wouldn't think of Sterling Shepard as an air yards guy necessarily. But Brian Dayball isn't you know, putting these players in stupid positions like the old coaching staff was. So we really love to see it like Shepard. If Shepard stays healthy, I mean, knock on all the wood, I could certainly see him finishing as a, I could could see him as a top 30 fantasy finisher by the end of the year because he's just good. and, and, And there's nobody else really stepping up for New York at this point. I mean, they got David Sills as the number two receiver across from him. That's Kenny Galladay is piecing out of the stadium after two snaps like i I don't know what's going on there yeah Um, galladay absolute no show um shepherd is i agree with you i have i i cannot refute anything that you've said shepherd is a really good player um and workload is just flowing to him right now nico collins probably is the most upside of these guys but we also need like davis mills to be a little better than he has been the first two weeks but uh We'll see. Last two. Nico Collins has been an upside guy forever, like was an upside guy in college who was, I think, kind of a vague disappointment to most people who followed Michigan football. Right. But um, it's still it's it's six, four. Um, Like he'll make he'll make enough wow plays that you're like, oh, man, why can't that be there every week? Yeah, I feel you on that one. Uh, And then you got two kind of like goofball receivers uh, to end this. Noah Brown, who I should be a little more respectful to Noah Brown. He was pretty damn good against the Bengals. Five catches, five first downs, 15 air yards per target. Like he he was exactly he just looked kind of looked like Michael Gallup out there doing the Michael yes, Gallup yeah. stuff for, for this team. Um, so I should be a little more show a little more respect to Noah Brown, even though I don't think he's going to put those numbers up every week. But they were constantly talking about like, hey, this is second team chemistry, baby. Noah Brown, Cooper Rush. Uh, when that game was on, it was on one of my main screens. And then Brashad Perryman, you've got here, too, which is it's pretty funny that this Bucks wide receiver core is loaded with like really good players, future Hall of Famers. And it's like, well, Rashad Perryman going to start for them <laughs> next week because Mike Evans <laughs> is suspended and everybody's hurt. Yeah, the, I mean, the, 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 you had my talking point on Noah Brown. I thought like if you told me that that was Michael Gallup doing those things, that, that would have seemed that would have seemed about right. Um, yeah. Touchdown catch was great. Like he had a really good game. I also just like stories like this. He's been this guy's been in the league forever. This is, this is like Ever. his fifth year or something like that. He's an Ohio State guy from way back, like really good game. And then you mentioned, you know, it's like a, a tale as old as fantasy, right? The the depth chart quarterback gets elevated and the depth chart receiver he drags along to fantasy relevance. It was, it was a nice story. And for however long uh, Gallup is out and maybe maybe longer, because now we've we've got to deal with the Dalton Schultz injury. Um, Noah Brown could be like a five to seven target get a weak guy and might be might be sort of relevant but i i like the bucks receiving core next week what what is it even going to be um is is julio going to play is godwin going to play probably not mike evans currently suspended so we're down to like gage and brashad perriman and scotty miller scotty miller saw a bunch of targets didn't do a whole lot with him uh against new orleans it's going to be a sketchy group, but they are going to be working with Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> like there, somebody here is going to see nine targets. <laughs> might be Perriman, might be Miller. No idea who it's going to be, um, but there's a pretty good chance that a couple of these guys end up relevant. Still doing the Scotty Miller thing. You you, you love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't officially list him in the notes, just just for the record. No, no, we did not officially list him in the notes, which is probably probably for the best. 
Uh, I just can't believe we're still here with the Bucks receiver core when they they have all these guys. But I guess should have seen this one coming. Playing with Chris Godwin in Week One, you should be ashamed of yourself, Tampa Bay. All right, Andy and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do quarterbacks, tight ends, and a few drop candidates as well. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back. Let's do quarterbacks first, because uh, tight end, oh my God, uh, although people desperately need help at tight end. Let's talk quarterbacks here. Andy, give us your list of guys. Yeah, I just want to say right at the top, I do not have a season saver for you at, at quarterback. <laughs> like that guy, that guy isn't here. I'm we're still just thinking like streaming options for people who had Dak Prescott or streaming options for people who simply planned to stream for most of the season. I don't I don't have a guy. Trey Lance, I mean, like, people people drafted Trey Lance yes. as like a hey, I'm a, I have a quarterback one here. And, and so this is worthwhile. We, we even talked about it too. We're like the oh, there's no downside to drafting Trey Lance because then you could just hit the waiver wire and there's a million of them in one quarterback league. Well, okay, we're going to talk about some of those guys right now. Um, and it's not it's not always pretty. The The first name I put on my list, and again, we're talking, you know, there are a bunch of leagues where like Carson Wentz is available. He he's just above my cutoff for this thing, um, which is which is uh, uh, 50% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Uh, Wentz, I think right now, as we speak, is like 52, 54, something wow. like that. Kind of surprising. Yeah, I don't think that Carson Wentz is a is a great NFL quarterback by any means, but he's it's two weeks and he's thrown the ball like 47 times. Um, it, like the ball is going in the air and he's throwing a Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. And that's a good situation. So if Wentz is out there, I like him. He's about to face the Eagles. He's probably going to put the ball in the air another 40 or 45 times. We like those things. Um, but he didn't make the cutoff for this. I started with Jared Goff because he's the guy who gets to throw to Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's just a weekly touchdown. Like what, I, we've hardly seen, like, with the exception of Cooper Cup last year, where he was a wide receiver one, like, 15 times or something like that. I mean, we've, we don't often see stretches of games at any position, let alone receiver, that are just so predictably extraordinary, like, like what we're getting from Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, this is a, this is a touchdown in six straight eight or more catches in like, in what is it eight games in a row now? Um, double digit targets. Uh, like the guy's just, the guy's just a touchdown and eight catches and 80 to 120 yards. Absolutely. Every week he is at this point, a superstar. I don't like, I don't know what else to call him. And Jared Goff gets to throw to him. And it's not always pretty with Jared Goff. And he, he misses some opportunities sometimes in funny ways, but this is a, this is a, a pretty fun offense. Um, and for at least a, a half yeah. against Washington, they, they they looked better than they really are, but they look like they were just all phases great for a half of football. And uh, uh, I mean, Goff is just in a wonderful situation. He gets to throw to DeAndre Swift. He gets to throw to St. Brown. He, DJ Chark will occasionally do some things. Hawkinson will occasionally do some things like this is a really good environment. Um, it's got Minnesota next week. 
maybe that's a frisky defense. Um, they'll be coming off a short week. It's it's not a terrible spot. Then he's got Seattle. Like I think Jared Goff can be part of your replacement plan for whatever quarterback you've lost. Probably still need to talk about Jameis Winston because he's Can got just one thing on on up. on Detroit too. Their offensive sure. line is awesome. So like yeah, there there's yes, some good yes, pass yes, yes. rushes in, in in Minnesota, but they're not and they're not even fully fully healthy yet. Like Frank Ragnow had some injuries. Um, uh, their guard Vitae's not not a, not out there at this point either. So they're not even a hundred percent. But they pushed Washington around in that game, and they. Like Jared Goff must be feeling like he's 2018 Rams all over again, man. Yeah. He's got he's got new. I can't call him Bud Light Cooper Cup anymore because he's graduated from that nickname. <laughs> he's just like base. He might as well just call him basically Cooper Cup and Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, and this great offensive line and just St. Brown too. I know we can we can't talk enough about Amon Ra St. Brown. I know we Scott and I talked a lot about him, but you made the point about like we've never seen a stretch like this outside of, like Cooper Cup and just the consistent greatness. This archetype of wide receiver, and this is what I've been, I've been talking about this for the last like probably year and a half now. It's it's not the same old traditional number one receiver, but it's the it's like better than that for fantasy because you just can't stop guys like this. It's so hard yeah. to to double. And you talk to guys like Mike Evans, you can talk to guys like Steph Diggs who play like out as the ISO X receiver. They're just not getting the same type of layups and the same type of the two-way go, the lack of double coverage that guys like Amon Ross St. Brown get. And Christian Kirk, too, another guy that was absolutely clowned because he's not the traditional number one receiver, but he's being used like a traditional number one wide receiver from a targets to air yards deployment standpoint. And he's in this same sort of archetype, too, just built a little bit different than St. Yeah. Brown and a little more vertically inclined than guys like St. Brown. But, yeah, I, I just think it can't – the point cannot be made enough that – and Garrett Wilson getting some of this some of this layup usage too. Definitely not the same type of player, but still, these guys I think are gonna be when we look back in five years, like I think these guys will be some of the best picks you can make in fantasy. Not not as much maybe those traditional X receivers anymore. Yeah, no, it's a good point because not, you know, the the number of X receivers that end up looking like Randy Moss is not, it's not, it's not really a long list, right? Like it's possible that in five years. You'll look at the the first round receivers, second round receivers, and it's going to be a lot more guys like this. Um, not that there's a whole ton of guys who are exactly like Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah, but yeah. people who have a, a, a similar role and, and similar usage. Yeah, it's just a fun time to, to talk about those type of players. And uh, I wanted to hammer that point because I think it makes a big difference. And like when we re-rank receivers for rest of season, like St. Brown shooting up, Christian Kirk shooting up. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that play in this like slot receiver zone beating specialist role that are going to be just shooting up draft boards. So pretty fun time there. Um, it can sometimes be a fun time when you got Jameis Winston as your quarterback, Andy. And sometimes it's not quite as much. Sometimes um, he's, he's right now like 49, 50% rostered, something like that. Not available to many of you, uh, obviously coming off a, a terrible game against a great defense, a great Tampa defense guys playing with like multiple fractures in his back at the moment. So that's not ideal either. Right. No. But, but he's playing and he's the guy who gets to throw to Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave and, uh, and Michael Thomas. And eventually that's going to pay off. He's got Carolina coming up. He's got Minnesota coming up. Um, so the matchups ahead are not nearly as difficult as the matchup that is immediately behind him. Um, particularly in that Carolina game, I think he can make some noise for you. We should probably talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, who is like the most added quarterback right now. I get it. Familiar name. Um, great receiving core. Uh, but let's just keep in mind what like a great Jimmy Garoppolo day looks like. And it's like 220 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like there's not, 
There's not blow up weeks coming from Jimmy. Like Jimmy's not going to give you the week that Tua just did. Jimmy's not going to, you know, there, there's no like 400 yard, five touchdown version of Jimmy Garoppolo in all likelihood. The team wants to run the ball as much as possible. Um, but he's got he's got Debo. He's got Ayuk. He's got Kittle when healthy. Um, so it's obviously a good situation. He's got a couple of got a couple of pretty challenging defenses coming up in Denver and the Rams. So I, don't, I wouldn't expect a ton from Jimmy in the short term. But obviously, you play in a super flex, you play in a deep league, he's probably got to get rostered somewhere. Um, I will mention Marcus Mariota for however long he has this job. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to be. We've seen two different paths to not not great fantasy weeks, but tolerable fantasy performances here. He's got a he's got a 72 yard rushing performance. And then he had a couple of touchdown passes against the Rams. Uh, he's throwing a Drake London. That seems pretty inviting. Eventually, Kyle Pitts is oh, going to yeah. get going. I don't know that Marcus Mariota can be the guy who like supports both of those guys in the same game. Maybe we just have to get to Ritter here. That's a possibility. Um, but for now, I don't I don't hate the matchups ahead. He's got Seattle. He's got Cleveland. So there are some there are some perhaps friendly spots there. And I will just throw out the fact that Mac Jones is about to face that Baltimore defense against which Tua Tagovailoa just threw for 769 yards and f- like 14 touchdowns. Maybe Devontae Parker can even do something, although he might that's, lose his job. Let's not, yeah, let's not stretch. He might lose his job lot. to Kendrick Kendrick Bourne at some point. Oh my God, what a mess in New England. Um, all right, let's talk tight ends here. People desperately, desperately need help at tight end, Andy. Um, you mentioned I had somebody uh, tweeting at me about this today with the whole Kyle Pitts thing because I've been talking about Drake London a lot, and um, comes back to Kyle Pitts and he's like. I'm not playing him next week. I I I I gotta have somebody that's gonna do more than get me one and a half points. And somebody else came back like, "Hey, that's probably Kyle Pitts." Like, I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> but like that's the tight end position at this point. Um, but yeah. if folks like, I don't think you should be getting rid of Kyle Pitts for some of these names, but they're certainly like big. You got people. People got bigger problems than Kyle Pitts at tight end. Let's just put it that way. Um, for sure. So for those people. Give them some names to help them out, maybe. Yeah, that that's just the thing. Like, if you're pivoting from from Kyle Pitts, here here are the names. Here's who's out. Congratulations. There. In, <laughs> yeah this this is your shopping list. These are the guys who are available in at least fifty percent of Yahoo leagues. Because like, I I could make a case for Gerald Everett as an occasional starter, but that that guy is like seventy percent rostered right now. So we don't get to talk about that guy. You're this is your list. It's Evan Ingram. Um, who is familiar to all of us who've been playing for a few years, right? Um, uh, sketchy history with the Giants, obviously. He's, I will say, he's been really good. There's a constant drumbeat about him in camp. Not that he was, not that he made every play, not that he didn't have some drops in camp, but obvious rapport between him and Trevor Lawrence, and he's getting targeted. He's caught 11 of 12 targets so far. That's been pretty good. He's coming off, I think, a seven-catch game. Um, so Ingram's been fine. Eventually Ingram's going to find the end zone. Trevor Lawrence has been pretty good, by the way, too, like coming off a really nice game. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst has 15 targets on the season. Some of that is the fact that Joe Burrow has thrown the ball. Joe Burrow's thrown the ball like 55 times a game now because they, they are behind by multiple scores immediately. Um, so a little bit of that, I'm sure is game flow, but still he's seen 15 targets. Um, he's, you know, a former, uh, first round pick a million years ago. So maybe there's something here with Hayden Hurst. It seems like Burrow is fond of him. We'll see. Uh, Logan Thomas is out there for many of you. If you want the fourth receiver in a Carson Wentz led offense. And then, uh, Isaiah likely, I think is still pretty interesting. Uh, he, he was a, a totally face planted in week one after a flawless preseason. 
Uh, week one was, I think, four targets, no catches. But he made a little noise in week two. And um, if if you'd convinced yourself that Devin Duvernay was was the clear number three receiver in Baltimore, like maybe not so fast, it might yet be Isaiah Likely. He was pretty good in week two. He's got the Patriots coming up. He's got Buffalo coming up. So the schedule isn't perfect. But if he starts seeing six, seven targets a game, which is definitely possible, he can make a little noise as well. That's it. That's all I got at tight end. Like, it's not a good list. Yeah, and I swear to God, this is not just the... Um... Lynchburg, uh, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia thing. I do think Logan Thomas is probably the best bet to give you like if he if of any of these goofballs you just named are become like <laughs> tight end one. Uh, I think Logan Thomas probably has the best bet because they're just throwing the piss out of the ball in in Washington. He's been on the field, uh, you know, a ton. Sixty six percent of the snaps through two weeks, fifty six. We, we didn't run. know if he'd play in week one. Like yeah. I'd, you know, I, he was an afterthought in my ranks because I was like, well, he's probably going to miss September, right? He's yet another guy who's coming off like a uh, not just an ACL, but like an ACL and all the other CLs, maybe, right? Like it was a pretty significant yeah, a knee injury. It was a pretty significant one. Yeah, and uh, and he looked great. Like he played, he played his usual workload basically in week one, week two, caught a touchdown in week two. So he's been good. It's a, it's a, it's total. I, I, I kind of dismissed him in in discussing him there, but um, this is a really good player when healthy. I mean, there's reason to d- dismiss any of these guys. Like I said, a tight end. I just feel like if if somebody's going to give you something, it's probably going to be Logan Thomas because the offensive environment is right. He's also, I would say, probably. Like he has the best peak season on his resume for any from any of these guys. Likely, obviously, as a rookie, um, but the usage is there. He's a good player. Like he gets downfield looks. Just, I, I think he's probably your best bet here. Like if you're pick, I'm. Hey, let me put it to you this way: I drafted Albert O as my tight end one in Scott Fishbowl, and I think I used my last round pick on Logan Thomas because every everybody who has a pulse gets drafted in the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, and I'm like. Thank July me. Thank you so much for drafting Logan <laughs> Thomas. Cause like that's, we're going to have to ride that thing till the wheels yep. fall off at this point in the Scott fishbowl. So I, I think he's your best bet here. If you need a, a tight end quote savior, but nobody's saving you at the tight end position. Um, Andy, we might be able to save some folks with our getting in early recommendations here. Who you got for people that like, if you're looking two weeks, three weeks out, maybe these players can be, uh, can be helpful for you. Yeah, um, three three running backs who I don't think anybody's going to really be fighting you for on the on the wire necessarily um, that we probably need to mention. Uh, all of them rookies. Kenneth Walker returned, didn't didn't do much of anything. Um, it's perhaps an abysmal offense, right? Um, but he did return like four carries, something like that. He's eventually going to fall into to more work than that alongside Rashad Penny. And unless you think that Rashad Penny is is going to play a full 17 game season and remain healthy throughout and will not need at least, you know, a caddy or somebody else uh, alongside him in that backfield. It seems like a pretty unrealistic expectation at some point. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Walker is going to be super relevant and we're going to be talking about him much earlier in the show than this. Uh, so I think he's a guy that that is a, wor- a worthy stash in a handful of places. Rashad White continues to have that like second chair behind Leonard Fournette. Anything happens to Fournette, Rashad White is going to be like, you know, given the right matchup, could be a could be a top 12 fantasy back. So that people people aren't going to be placing like uh, uh, ridiculous fab bids for him this week um, uh, or in any week in which Fournette is healthy. But there's going to come a point in this season where we're going to be like, oh, my God, Rashad White is a must start. Um, it's just it happens to not be yet. And then. 
Brian Robinson as well is a guy that you can just stash on an IR spot, assuming your your league has an IR spot. He's about 48% rostered right now, but I think a lot of that is just, you know, teams that teams that drafted before uh, the really unfortunate incident with him where he was, he was shot. He's going to come back. But I, I think he's just I think he's just on a bunch of rosters because of that. I think in a lot of competitive leagues, he was dropped or placed on IR. If he's if he's available to you can, and you can stash him on IR, like nobody's going to put in a big bid this week. Yeah, definitely a guy uh, that, that you want to get out there. Do you want to move to our drops now? Uh, yeah. This is where things are going to get interesting here because we've we've each got some some fascinating names. You've got two tight ends you want to start us off with. Like these are hey, these are the guys that if you drafted them. The like th- these folks are looking at the people crying about Kyle Pitts and are like, "Hey, I got real problems over here." Yes, exactly. Um, that is, oh man, that is so, that is so well said. Like, you don't think that somebody that like tied themselves to Dalton Schultz in a draft uh, w- wouldn't take Kyle Pitts off your hands right now? They absolutely would. So. Dalton Schultz uh, suffered a knee injury in week two. We don't think as we speak that it is a uh, like a worst case scenario for him, but it does seem like it's going to be a multi-week injury. There's just no way I'm holding on to him in a Cooper Rush offense right now, given the given the state of the tight end position. I'd be willing to move on from Dalton Schultz for Ingram, for Logan Thomas, probably for Hayden Hurst. Um, maybe I'd take a flyer on Likely. Anyway, I'm willing to move on from Dalton Schultz if he's going to be out for multiple weeks. And that we also have to mention Cole Komet because we kind of avoided the Bears' uh, offense at the top. Like, I don't know that this is going to continue, but they are simply not throwing the football right now. Like, Justin Fields has has 40 dropbacks, dropbacks, not pass attempts, dropbacks on the season. Um that's wild. Like <laughs> he's, he's getting 20 dropbacks a game. He's thrown like 28 passes. Um, it, no one can survive on that volume. Right. I don't think it's going to look like that. Cause that's, I mean, football hasn't been played that way in like 50 years. So I don't, I don't think it's going to look like that over the course of a full season. Um, but this is intolerable and he's, he's done nothing to date. He, he, you know, he had a horrendous Literally. drop. Literally nothing. nothing. His his next catch will be his first of the season. The whole the the problem is the whole argument for him was was targets. The whole argument for him was volume because he's he's had some ugly moments. Like he's had scoring opportunities in 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 the past and not converted them. Right. Like it hasn't been that pretty. If you're actually watching every Cole Komet game, I, I feel like the people that are most enthusiastic about Cole Komet are not Bears fans who've been watching him like game in and game <laughs> out. Um, it hasn't been great. But like the whole argument here was, wow, this this guy could be top five in targets at the position. Well, uh, that that ain't going to happen. Um, no. that, that's definitely not going to happen if Justin Fields is never going to have a 20 attempt game. So I, I, I'd be completely willing to move on from Cole Komet right now. Like if you're in a deep league, you want to hold out one more week. Fine. But it's going to be time to move on soon. I mean, at least he pl- like played a lot in week two. Yeah, but. Jeez, like man. you're in a point per snap league i don't know hold on to him but <laughs> but anywhere else I, I feel like he's a plausible drop my drops uh i didn't take any tight ends because <laughs> good lord um but these three guys <laughs> tell me tell me if you balk at any of them because i went kind of aggressive with one of them Kadarius tony i think we said on the last show look if he doesn't play a ton in week in week two, you're you're gonna have to give up the ghost on him. You're probably not give up the ghost. I'm not saying he's never gonna do anything this year or the rest of his career, or anything like that. I'm just saying it's pretty tough to hold him right now because he's he his playing time jumped a little bit, but 
he's like minus two air yards per target. Like they're only using him in little gadgety ways yeah. because I think that's the only like Brian Dayball's things. Uh, I think his his things on you know like my tenants or whatever is a, is like dependability, um, you know availability uh, and intelligence as a player. And you could argue that you know that's like three strikes you're out for Kadarius Tony, which is why I think he's not on the field at this point. It's just pretty tough to hold him. I also think it's tough to hold George Pickens at this point. I mean, because like, he's not going to outright usurp chase Claypool and push chase Claypool to the side. So we're talking about maybe the two more likely the three of an offense that we're just praying rookie Kenny Pickett gets in there. Okay. So like, that's not great. I don't think you can hold George Pickens at this point. And Last thing here, I put Ramondre Stevenson on on my list as well. That might be the one you bulk at, but he is playing a good bit. But he's just got it. We're talking about the the stash back. I think he's purely the stash back right now. Maybe that changes at some point. We're talking about the stash back who's not dominating the passing down work for an offense that stinks. So he's he's a tough guy to hold right now as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, once you get to the final point on Ramondre with the the offense that just absolutely stinks, um, uh, it, then it's tough to argue because he, I mean he's gonna be we're we're gonna rank him as a flex worthy player once we actually get into the bye weeks, but those are still several weeks away. The receiving workload that we were all trying to wish into existence just absolutely has not been there, right? It's four targets and three catches through two games. So this is this ain't James White. Like, that that is not happening for Ramondre. And, uh, like, on single-digit carries in this offense, he's not going to cut it. So I get it. Like, in an eight-team league, in a ten-team league uh, of, uh, like, typical Yahoo public league style, you're probably moving on. Would I, you know, 10 team league, would I move on from Ramondre to Raheem Mostert? I probably would. Um, I'd probably care the most about the games that are immediately in front of me. And I'd feel a little bit better about starting Mostert right now than I would Ramondre. Not that they're like, there's no, there's no superstar running back available out there right now on, on waivers in most leagues. Um, but I, I would probably be willing to do that on Ramondre. Can't like, Pianowski says this all the time. You, you can't stash everyone. Like we, we describe everybody in the game as if they're a stash. Well, you've only got, you know, you've got four spots or six spots on a on a deep bench uh, on which you can stash anyone. So you can't stash every and it, it, just everybody. Um, and like the best case scenario for Ramondre this year was that he was going to end up catching like fifty balls, and that just it seems like that's impossible for him right now. Would you rather stash? Like I'd rather stash Rashad White than than Ramondre Stevenson at this point. I would definitely rather have Rashad White right now. I'd probably take a, you know, you'd, if you've got an IR spot, you don't need to worry about it with Brian Robinson. But I would I would definitely rather take a, a, a stab with someone like Zamir White, Rashad White, somebody who could, you know, if circumstances break their way, they're, they're almost certainly a star. And we're definitely starting them each week. Uh, all right, let's move on to our hold on loosely candidates here, Andy. And hey, you got another bear. And I'm actually, I think I'm going to push back a little bit on Darnell Mooney, but I'll let you make the case for why folks should hold on to Darnell Mooney. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was going to say, I'm interested to, to hear whether you're going to push back, uh, which direction in which you were going to push back that he's just a clear drop or that it, he is somebody that we shouldn't, that shouldn't be a candidate for this just yet. Um, oh, I'll push back that he's a clear drop, but I'll make your, or, or that like the, the logic on dropping him is sound. 
but I'll let you make the case first. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is the position we're in with Darnell Mooney, right? You like you can't start him. It, it's, it seems like our super friendly matchup against Houston next week. Like we've got a, I don't know, maybe Houston's not that bad. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not uh, uh, crediting them appropriately. Maybe they're a little friskier than than we had originally thought. But like you, you can't start him here. You can't can't start him against what we think might be a, a substandard defense um, because the Bears are simply not throwing the football. That is a huge problem. He like to his credit, he he's got like he's got real NFL credentials. Like he's had a season. Like Darnell Mooney's been good in the league, um, and he's done it in uh, extraordinary conditions. Like he he's obviously never done it in an offense that is only throwing the ball like fifteen times a week. Um, but again, I don't think that can last. I. I certainly don't think the Bears passing game can support two guys, which is why I'm totally fine with a Cole Komet drop. But I think Darnell Mooney is a much more talented player. Um, and I think there are some nice weeks coming from Darnell Mooney. I would get it if you're if you're like, listen, uh, Garrett Wilson is sitting out there for me and he's just coming off a 14 target game. And I don't know that Justin Fields is even going to throw the ball 14 times uh, in any given week. So I, I want to make this move. Sure, I would I would do it for Wilson. I I might do it for Dotson. I don't think I would do it for any other receiver that we talked about. Like, I, I wouldn't be ready to do it for Jacoby Myers because I think the upside for Mooney is uh, is still there. Um, but he's really the only he's really the only bear that we need to be talking about. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, you don't have to drop Darnell Mooney, but if you, like, I don't think it's going to be a move that comes back to bite you in the ass, basically. Like, right. I think there's a chance that, it, this, I think there's a this chance. This isn't it, dropping Amon Ross St. Brown, like, in September of last season. That's certainly not what this is. Yes. Yes. Uh, or, like, if you, I think there's a chance that you drop Kadarius Tony and you live to regret it um, because the opportunities there, they're at least actually running a NFL passing offense, right? I mean, you mentioned it, Andy. They've barely dropped back to pass. And Darnell Mooney has a 17.9% target share on this season. My problem with guys like, I know know this, our mutual friend, Chris Harris, like this is definitely something that grinds his gears when people say, well, who else is there to catch the ball? There can always be somebody else when the player in question is Darnell Mooney. And I like Darnell Mooney, but in an ideal world, he's a pretty, he's a, pretty good fine number two receiver and an awesome wide receiver three he's not a number one receiver i don't think i don't think anything in his game so far through two years like the bears fans this offseason that were like oh how could you say this about darno mooney is the same numbers as terry mclaurin like give me a give me a break like come back (laughs) to reality here um I just don't think there's anything in in Darnold Mooney's game that would say he is a future number one receiver. And in those scenarios, there can always be some, you know, knucklehead like, uh, um, or not Amon Ross St. Brown, Equinemius St. Brown, who's on the Bears, who has the same target share as Darnell Mooney right now. So um, certainly there are probably brighter days ahead. Oh, excuse me. He actually has a higher target share, does Equinemius St. Brown. He's 25%. They have the same uh, air yard share. They're both 30.5, Darnell Mooney and Equinemius St. Brown. But like that's the pitfall of. I mean, I mean, we're somebody. talking about target shares in the Bears' offense as if they've passed at all, right? Like exactly. a, sing, a single pass attempt um, changes the target shares dramatically. Right. So even if Darnell Moody somehow gets up to like a twenty-two percent target share, would you rather have? Um, this is like a, the, the Michael Scott line. Do you want a ton of? pretty good pizza or a medium amount of really good pizza right like that, that that's uh that's how where we're at with like target shares in the bears offense so i don't think you have to drop Darnell mooney but 
if you want to, if there is somebody like a Garrett Wilson, hundred percent, just go for it and do it. If there's a, there eventually maybe you hold on to him and then next week a league winning running back emerges he's the first guy you can cut off your bench at this point uh yeah. that, that's kind of where i'm at with him um i don't think elijah moore is that guy he's the hold on lucy candidate for me because like again i don't think we have to get into it and maybe you disagree about elijah moore um but i i still think he's a phenomenally talented player he's run around on 94 percent of the dropbacks like he looks really good when you chart his routes when you watch him reception perception all that stuff through the first two weeks been been pretty good it's it is tough to obviously squint at the upside if this uh if this whole thing is going to be like a split target share between Garrett Wilson Elijah Moore and then other guys are going to be relevant. Um, I think that is and we don't really know what Zach Wilson is, so I understand that the like he's probably not returning your most optimistic projections this year as Elijah Moore, but I don't think he's a guy that you need to drop at this point because I think he's he's just like Kyle Pitts, where if by the end of the season Elijah Moore has turned in like a 900 yard season with five touchdowns, which is probably what he was like projected to do. I would be 0% surprised despite the fact he hasn't put it on the stat sheet in the first two weeks. And, and also we mentioned that Justin Fields had dropped back 40 times. Joe Flacco's dropped back 109 times, right? Like oh there's, a lot of, there's, a, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of pass attempts here. Um, and it, it's obviously it's not going to be like that for the full season. It's probably not going to be like that with Zach Wilson, but 109 times, like there's a lot of opportunities to go around. Yeah, I don't would I would hold on loosely to Elijah Moore. I also would nominate Chris Olave for this award too, who's the clear cut area. I mean, he has like air yards monster last week. Yeah, um, those will hit at some point. I, I wouldn't go dropping Chris Olave either. I'd try to hold on to him. But all right, that's gonna pretty much do it for the main part of the show. I'm we're we're gonna have a fun um, weekly segment here at the end of the podcast, uh, Andy, because you and I have talked about this off air i feel like just about every single week before we tape these shows for those uninitiated by the way like if you don't care about this we're an hour plus into the podcast right now our producer <laughs> lord podcast has literally said to me just so you know if you take if your podcast goes over an hour you're only doing it for you so if you don't care about this end the podcast now we'll talk to you tomorrow we got a daily show here for god's sakes so that's fine if you don't care about this but Andy and I have had fun with this off air, so we're going to have fun with it on air. My mom is playing fantasy football for the first time this year, and she's also the commissioner of her Florida Ladies Community Retirement League, basically. She's <laughs> living the freaking life down there. It's great great to be Bev. But she, I mean, this fantasy league, Andy, is wild. We talked about this, I think, on one of these waiver episodes or one of the episodes of the summer that most of the, the leagues that we like we talk to, we talk about are just so not representative of real life. And yep. the, the best way to make that the real point here is the players who get dropped in my mom's fantasy league <laughs> are just <laughs> insane. Starting with my mother, by the way, who dropped Amon Ross St. Brown before week one this year. Like you said, dropping St. Brown in September of last year. She did it freaking this year. And I got, I mean, I got on the phone with her immediately. It was like, mom, you need to pick. We're picking him back off waivers. What the hell was this? You dropped him for <laughs> George Pickens. I don't think so. Okay. So that's number one. Then after week one, somebody just rage dropped Allen Robinson. Somebody rage dropped sure. George Kittle in this league. Um, so that was after week one. So Andy, every single week, I'm going to get you to try to guess. Who was the number one, the biggest named player dropped in my mom's fantasy league? By the way, mom's the shark. She's picking up all these, like, you know, George Kittle, the the, the Allen Robinsons. They're all now on her roster. Hopefully this guy is too by the end of the week. So, Andy, I'm going to give you a hint. This guy was a top three to four round pick and had an awesome week one, but was dropped <laughs> in my mom's fantasy league. Who was it? 
Okay, I I was thinking about this uh, uh, before we started the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's Michael Pittman. You got it. It was Michael Pittman. <laughs> so yeah, I look at my mom's team on. Um, God, I hope nobody else in the league is listening to this podcast, by the way, because um, <laughs> I don't think they'd appreciate that. Uh, I I have been looking at the waiver wire in my mom's league. I'm not even logged in on my desktop on my leagues anymore. It's just hers. The- this is like a, a thing that I see in the, you know, a couple of couple of close friends where like I'll I'll help them in fantasy leagues. And I, I have a couple of friends who are like, here, take my phone, you know, and make the moves, <laughs> do the things. Um, so like those are my best glimpses at the sort of hometown leagues that, that you're describing. And I don't think your mom's league is that different from like, no, it's just not. just a lot of buddies leagues. Um, and it is wild, like how many leagues in which IR spots exist? Like you can just, you don't, you don't have to drop anybody. Like you've got, yeah. you've got two, four IR spots here. You can just put them right there and then you get an empty spot. Um, it is wild how often like injured stars get dropped and, and especially guys in a situation like we thought on, on like all the way until Saturday that Michael Pittman might go this past week. Like he's not, Michael Pittman's not going to miss like half the season. Um, but I, I, I was fairly sure this was going to be, um, just, just a player with like a mild injury <laughs> gets dropped. Like this happens all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it it was yesterday. Uh, so it was Saturday night that I noticed somebody had dropped Pittman. Cause then I think I alerted <laughs> my mom about it on Sunday morning. So yeah, it's crazy. And it's, this is okay. I, I realized I said we're, this is just a fun segment, but some real advice here, like check who gets dropped in your league. Because yes, somebody yeah. will somebody will drop a Kadarius Tony at some point. Somebody will drop an Elijah Moore at some point, and that's like the low end of it. People, I mean, maybe not in most leagues is Allen Robinson getting dropped after week one. But like, look, Robinson might not return the value that he had in. I mean, some leagues he was going so aggressively high, but like that might not happen. But he certainly, I think, will probably be a top thirty receiver this year. You know, and, and like that's probably still going to happen. So he gets dropped after one catch performance in week one. Um, yeah. So again. Check who gets dropped in your league. Maybe it's not quite the uh, the Treviso Babes league. Uh, they're not. Nobody's got the aggressive uh, aggressive trigger finger on the drop button like these ladies do. But um, it is worth noting that sometimes some cr- people do some crazy things. I I, I got to check the wire in a couple. Of, I Gabe Davis as we're recording this on Monday has has been ruled out for for Monday Night Football. I bet you Gabe Davis gets his ass dropped in this league. So we're going to check the wire for Gabe Davis. Oh, tomorrow. for sure he will. The, the Treviso Babes League is known as a what have you done for me lately league. Absolutely. <laughs> tell you what, uh, gone. Ma- mom's loaded at receiver. I'm going to need somebody to drop a starting running back here soon because uh, <laughs> she needs some help at the running back position. But all right, Andy, that was fun. Maybe you'll get this again next week. It's a it's just fu- it's a little fun thing for fantasy because we, we take this stuff so seriously sometimes and it's just. I mean, it's a game, man, and and some people are actually just casually playing it, and not uh, not living and dying by every Adam Schefter tweet or every Andy Barron's fab recommendation. Although they should, obviously. <laughs> um, every time Dalton Del Don moves the moves a rookie fifteen spots up the rankings, not everybody's living and dying by this. Some people are just having fun with it. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for us. You could follow Andy on Twitter, of course, at Andy Barron's. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore byb. And while you're there. For God's sakes, follow the at Yahoo Fantasy account. If you like the show, please, please leave us a five-star review. It would help us so much on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. If you don't like the show, remember, tweet at Matt Harmon underscore BYB directly and tell me how much you don't like it, and I'll try to fix it or 
we'll just agree to disagree and we'll go our separate ways. Chargers running back Austin Eckler will be back on tomorrow's show. And I know the people have a lot of questions for old Austin in the mailbag. So we'll be, <laughs> we'll be talking about a lot tomorrow with Austin Eckler. Until then, we are out.